stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout and shout again! This is Shot and Shield. Listening in Portishead, England, Frankfurt, Germany, and Farmington, Utah. I'm your parliamentarian of the podcast, your colonel of the colonies, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida. This is the Shot and Shield Supercast, dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. In this episode of Shot and Shield, the Supercast, a Russo-Japanese war watch-along, plus the reveal of the last top five and the debut of the new top five question. Later, I have a product review. I'll be taking a look at a couple of Tiger miniature sets. I also have what I feel is a great scenario for you today in Scenario Builder. The scenario is called Breakout, and it's one of my favorite scenarios ever to play. Now, normally I would have an expert on on a round table or an interview or something like that, but with the holidays, trying to schedule something was just kind of nutty. But let me tell you this, I have been working with Casemate Publisher, and we're putting together some final details for some of their authors to join me on Shot and Shield. Now, this is the publisher of the book series From Musket to Maxim. So please cross your fingers that I can get this done. We're just working on time. We're working on trying to figure what author they have available and what times we can work on. So I'm really excited about this. You're going to love it, and it's going to be extremely informative. So that's that's going to be coming up in the next few months. And furthermore, since I don't have an interview in this episode, I wanted to make sure that I had a really a, something really cool, something good, something special in the audio archaeological find. Later today, we'll hear a story from the northwest of India, starring Errol Flynn. Now, before we get to your emails, it's time for the January giveaway. And the prize is a collection of eight unpainted mounted Schutztruppen on horses. Germans in pith helmets on horses for World War I Africa from Tiger Miniatures. These are from my collection. Tiger is not associated with this giveaway. Now, how do you win? Easy, just send an email to shotandshield at gmail.com with your name and mailing address. That's it. Winner will be randomly drawn from those who've emailed. And the winner will be notified and announced on the next Shot and Shield Supercast. Shot and Shield. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. This is Shot and Shield. It's time to hit up some communications. Your DMs and emails on Shot and Shield. Germany calling, London calling, Moscow calling, Washington DC calling, Peking calling, Sydney calling. Message for you, sir. It's time to answer some emails from all around the world. So you can email me at shotandshield at gmail.com. And I have uh, received a couple email questions that you might find interesting. Also, if you don't hear yours read, most likely I replied back to you. So our first email today comes from Troy in Lubbock, Texas, and it reads, Dear Scott, I heard your show for the first time in your December episode, which was great. I went back and listened to your November show, and it was great too. I sat down to paint and decided to listen from the beginning. Your recent episodes are clearly better. What happened? (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) okay. Well, The early episodes was me getting all my equipment together and working out the subject matter and trying to understand how to podcast. I've said many times that uh, I was a radio program director, DJ, talk show host for 15 years before getting out of that industry. So doing radio is a lot different 
than doing a podcast. There are some similarities, but moreover, uh, they're outweighed by the differences. So I was trying to kind of figure out a few things, you know, how this podcasting thing works. And, you know, especially for a show of this nature. So it's okay to say those shows sucked because they did. So I do appreciate the love, but yes, some of those early shows are, are not the most noteworthy. <laughs> and you know, at that, this time, let me, let me go ahead and give you a little programming info. Okay. So I've taken down some of those early episodes. Now I'm going to go back through and remaster uh, some of the better episodes, but also some of the episodes just, they, they don't make sense anymore. And, and I've clearly, you know, found kind of the, how, how to set this uh, show up to make it a little more entertaining and get some info, get some interviews in here. So some of those early episodes, like uh, just me talking about the equipment I'm using is kind of irrelevant. So I'm just going to kind of ditch that. Also, I know that in future episodes, I'll be revisiting some of these subjects that I've already covered, like uh, gaming the Crimean War or the 55 uh, Days at Peking Watch Along, which I'll, I'm going to keep those up but I'll probably redo those later on uh, this year. Plus, I also just remodeled my studio here. I have pop my, all my podcasting equipment on one side, and then I have all my painting and building equipment on the other side, and the cat owns it all. All right, second email here. Uh, this email comes from Jackson in Maryland. And uh, Jackson writes, Scott, thank you for the show. Uh, Jackson, you're welcome. And he uh, continues, I'm new to this period of wargaming, and your Indian mutiny discussion was eye-opening, and I was thinking about going for it. Jackson, go for it. <laughs> I guess that's easy for me to say. It's not my bank account. But let me tell you something. Ian and Colin are so good at this. They are experts, and you can tell just by the games they host. If you go to, to the sites and you take a look at their games, they're just stupendous. So if you are listening uh, for the first time, do yourself a favor and join the War Games in India 1600 to 1920 Facebook group. That way you can see all the great games and the miniatures and the history. It's good stuff. Obviously, I want you to you know join the Sh Shot and Shield Supercast podcast uh, war game group. I want you to do that as well. But uh, the War Games in India 1600 to 1920 Facebook group that uh, Ian runs, is fantastic. It's amazing. And I, I'll tell you, those guys are really, really cool. So I'm sure that if you have any questions, you can reach out to them and they're going to answer them for you. The next communication I got here was a, a DM uh, on Twitter from Larry in New York, New York. And he writes, Scott, I dig the scenarios you presented in your last few episodes. Why don't you put a book together and Kickstarter it? I definitely support a book like that. What do you think? Uh, you know, can I tell you, I never even thought about that. So Larry, well, first, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't even know where to start with that. Second, I think it's good for the podcast, but in book form, I'm not sure. Uh, I got, I, I don't know if anyone else has a thought about this, you can DM me or send me an email or something like that. It's a cool concept, but I don't know. I, it, you know, is it's an interesting uh, suggestion for sure, but I don't know how many people would be really into that. I, I like it for the podcast, but I don't know about book form. I really don't. I'm, I mean, I, I got a thousand of these suckers in my head. The uh, scenario builders, like the one that uh, is coming up is called Breakout. Uh, and it's, it's, it's good. I like it. I think it's really intriguing. And I have a ton of them in my melon, 
but I don't know about the book. So, but uh, I do appreciate the love on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do appreciate that. Uh, but that's it for uh, today's emails and DMs. Remember, you can email me at shotshield at gmail.com. Uh, still ahead, I got to watch along with you from the Russo-Japanese War, 1904 to 1905. That's coming up next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. I hear that conditions in your army are appalling. Well, I'm sorry, but those are my conditions, and you'll just have to accept them. From the land of the audio to the world of the visual, the Shot and Shield podcast is on YouTube. I use YouTube for supplementary information, such as watch-along videos, documentaries of interest, movies that I find that uh, best represent colonial or 19th century inspirations or gaming, and eventually video from interviews that I've uh, already done and that you've heard on the podcast. Just search out, in parentheses, Shot and Shield. You got to put the parentheses in there, parentheses, Shot and Shield, and parentheses, and you'll find it on the YouTube. There's also a link on the podcast info page. So check it out and subscribe to Shot and Shield on YouTube. This is Shot and Shield. Well, I'm waiting for an explanation. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. It looks bad in the newspapers and upset civilians at their breakfast. This is Shot and Shield. And Shield. It is that time, time for the watch along. And in this episode's watch along, I'm going to be going into, I'm going to go in on the Russo-Japanese War of 1904 to 1905. Now, I found a battle sequence clip on YouTube from a movie called Emperor Meiji and the Great Russo-Japanese War from 1957. Now, this clip deals with the siege of Port Arthur. If you go to the Shot and Shield YouTube page, Look for the Russo-Japanese War playlist, and the video is titled The Russo-Japanese War Siege of Port Arthur, and it runs about seven minutes plus, and I'll give you a chance to find it. Remember, you're looking for uh, the Shot and Shield YouTube page, and you will look for the Russo-Japanese War playlist, and the video is entitled The Russo-Japanese War Siege of Port Arthur. Now, while you're at the Shot and Shield YouTube page, please subscribe. I do have some original stuff coming uh, to the YouTube page, just not as fast as I'd like. You know what I'm saying? Also, check out the playlist that I have on there. Every time I find something interesting, I always save it to the appropriate playlist. So it's it's not a bad it's not a bad little resource, kind of decent. So you want to check it out. All right, so you should have it by now. If not, you could always pause the podcast here and hit play again once you found the clip. But at this time, I assume that you found it and we are ready for the watch along. Let's do it. Here we go. The Russo-Japanese War, Siege of Port Arthur. On the count of three, we'll hit play together. One, two, three, and hit play. So first off, when you're watching this, you know, I know the uniforms of the Japanese army in 1904 were the blues, right? But I thought they had, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought they had changed to the khakis uh, for their summer uniforms shortly after the Boxer Rebellion. 
So I'm sure some sage uh, person out there will correct me. Can I tell you, this is a crazy attack if you look at it. Two rows of barbed wire fence, a steep 40, <laughs> a steep 40 degree incline in the face of machine gun fire. I'd be like, no, no. Oh, and if you see the, uh, the guns there, the cannon, just a note, the elevation on those Japanese guns would never hit the Russian defensive position. And they're so low. There's no way. They'd have to be elevated way, way higher than that. Also, how did you get those guns that close? You know, I mean, really? Without getting a counter-bombardment? Russians must have been sleeping on the job. And they're now, right now, they're just, just running into this hail of, <laughs> this hail of machine gun fire. Oh my god, man! Now it cuts to a scene where you know the top brass, the top brass. They're they're thinking that a direct assault might not have been the best uh, best strategy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't look happy. They don't look happy. And they're probably thinking to themselves, hmm. I got a new strategy for you. Let's move the guns a little closer, maybe on the incline. Maybe we'll catch the Russians to sleep again. <laughs> hey, the guy's probably saying to the, I'll translate. Hey, we should do that again. That seemed like a good idea. And the older, uh, the older commander there is like, hey, I like that idea. <laughs> so now it's dark. Yeah, so these two guys are not having a good day. But then you look at the field here. Ooh. Man, modern weapons, right? So here we go. Moving these uh moving these guns a little closer to the front there. And these guys are apparently thirsty, so they wanted to get in some water there. They're yelling at each other. So yeah, so they're the one guy's yeah, the one guy's acting like he's the only one pulling it. The other guys are just hanging out. I call that a little overacting. Yeah, so here we go. So that, yeah, that's exactly what they probably should have done while the Russians are sleeping because apparently there's no Russian sentries out there. They're going to move the guns to the high ground. And they're going to be looking at uh, maybe a night attack. That might work a little bit better. The commander's giving a speech to his men. It's going to be tough. You're facing 40-degree 40, 40 incline, two barbed wire fences, rushes with machine guns, where I will most likely be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So go do the voodoo that you do so well. A little blazing saddles there. You're welcome. Uh, kind of reviewing it here. Just double-checking to make sure that their their strategy is good. You know? Okay, so we're going to... We're going to run straight at them right up the hill. Now the assault begins. And the Japanese there. Now they're attacking. They're getting some uh, close cover fire. Why wouldn't they use smoke? Is that something that uh, was that just later a later use uh, deal? Yeah. Just a thought. 
The uniforms, I got to say, uniforms for the Japanese are really spot on. So that's pretty good. And then the Russians here, if you if you see the Russians, there's not ever a few. There's only like a few of these Russians in these in this uh, in this shot in this uh, clip. And I have to tell you, they are horrible shots with the machine gun. Look at all those guys running up an incline with no cover whatsoever. These guys have a ton of machine guns and they're missing everybody. And how did the Japanese get behind the Russians anyway? How'd that happen? Must have been, <laughs> must have been, <laughs> it must have been the, uh, the sentry who was sleeping again. You bear, you know what? You really don't see a lot of Russians in this. So here we go. The commander's hitting the chest. Probably with a stray uh, machine gun bullet because, uh, again, those machine guns weren't hitting anybody. And now it's time for a sword play. I got to tell you, this commander's uh, perseverance is awesome. <laughs> this, this dude's incredible. He's, he ain't, nothing's getting, getting him down. He's like, he has like nine shots to the chest. He's still going, still attacking. And his orderly or his, uh, his sidekick there. You got to stick with him the whole way. Looks like they won the day, though, which isn't too bad. And I think uh, the commander, he's like, I'm going to be with my troops no matter what. And they won. Everybody's pretty happy about it, but he's still, he's still beat up pretty bad. I'll translate for you. Dude, we won. Now you got some walking stick. Oh, I can't walk very well. He's hitting the chest. He's hitting the hitting the head. He's hitting the hand. And so, <laughs> so let's take the Japanese flag and give him his arm a tourniquet. That's outstanding. Everything else is bleeding except his arm. So let's give his arm a tourniquet. Oh no, he just did. He pass. He just passed. Oh, that's too bad. That's sad. That's sad. <laughs> so anyway. So there you go. That's uh. That's the watch along for this episode. <laughs> the Russo-Japanese War, Siege of Port Arthur. That's not too bad. You know what? I, I got to tell you, the flavor of that was really nice. If you're playing a Hollywood battle and you see something like that, okay, I, I get it. I get it. But if they were trying to do any sort of historical re recreation, I can't, I can't imagine the Russians being that bad on the machine guns. I, I just can't imagine it. I mean, you have you have a hundred machine guns there, and you're you're hitting like every every tenth you know soldier, every tenth Japanese guy. Nah, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. So, the Russians uh, were, if you notice, the Russians were sporting their blues, which uh, I'm not sure if that's historical or not. But the the uniforms look pretty good, and the uh, guns uh, that the Japanese were were rolling out, those look good too. So they, you know, I give them applause. Nice job. Nice job.
So that's it for the watch along for this episode. Remember, while you're on the Shot and Shield YouTube page, hit subscribe. Like I said, I'm going to have some other stuff coming up there. I have two interviews that I have video for that I'm going to put up eventually once I get working on it. I have uh, a, a, the, the movie reviews that I've done in the past. Those are going to go up there. I also have uh, product reviews that I'm going to put up there. Uh, so I got, I still got a lot of stuff. I got, it's all sitting on the computer. I just haven't had time to really, really get to it. So I apologize for that. But yeah, please subscribe to the YouTube page and uh, for updates. And we'll, like I said, I'll, I'll be updating that as uh, ASAP as soon as possible. Now, still ahead, we got uh, information about the new top five. Also, a product review, looking at uh, some Tiger miniatures, scenario builder, and a very special audio archaeological find next on Shot and Shield. <laughs> This is Shot and Shield. Good luck against those elephants. Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page, at Shot and Shield. Please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. This is Shot and Shield. It's going to hurt you a lot more than it will me, I'm happy to say. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. Discipline makes the strength of armies. Shot and Shield. It is time for the reveal where I ask you to say yes to the dress and get all bravo with the top five. I saw a comment on Twitter. We should forget Fashion Week in Paris, New York, and Milan and just have Fashion Week Kandahar. Because the question was, which military force looked best wearing the pith helmet? It seemed to be the haberdashery of choice for colonial forces in the far reaches of the world. So let's get to it. As voted on by you, the Shot and Shield listener, in the Facebook group and on Twitter. So here we go. Number five. Spanish colonial troops in Morocco and the Caribbean. Number four. Italian colonial troops in Ethiopia. Number three. French Foreign Legion. Number two. German colonial marines. And by an overwhelming majority, I should have saw this coming. Number one. British colonial troops. I really, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was kind of thinking that, you know, maybe you guys would twist it out a little bit and throw in something a little oddball, but nope. You got to go with your faves and British colonial troops was it. So thanks to all who participated in the uh, top five. Now, before I announce the new top five for the new year, if you have any suggestions for the top five, you can send them uh, to me through DM through Facebook or Twitter or email me at shot at gmail.com. I'm up for suggestions. I am. So hit me up there. He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. So let's do it. It's time for the new top five question. All right. Now, this question might get me into a little heat with y'all. 
because I'm bound to leave someone out. But here we go. I'd like to know who you think best represents a hero of the Empire. I'm putting five suggestions up in the uh, top five posts, which is on the Facebook group now, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. My starting five include Chinese Gordon, Teddy Roosevelt, young Winston Churchill, Giuseppe Garibaldi, and Simon Bolivar. Feel free to add your own because I'm sure I left someone out that you might think, hey, this guy represents the, the hero of the empire way more than those guys. So the new top five question on Facebook and Twitter, who best represents a hero of the empire? So get your vote in today and hear the results on the next Shot and Shield Supercast. On Twitter, at Shot and Shield, and in the Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. Still ahead, I'm looking to review Tiger Miniatures, Russian Cavalry Line for Central Asia. That's next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. You don't think I too dream of peace? You don't think I too yearn to end this damn dirty job we call soldiering? Frankly, no. It's time for the January giveaway. And the prize is a collection of eight unpainted mounted Schutztruppen on horses. Germans in pith helmets on horses for World War I Africa from Tiger Miniatures. These are from my collection. Tiger is not associated with this giveaway. Now, how do you win? Easy. Just send an email to shotandshield at gmail.com with your name and mailing address. That's it. Winner will be randomly drawn from those who've emailed and the winner will be notified and announced on the next Shot and Shield Supercast. Hey, what the blazes is this? A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. All right, Marines, I punch! This is Shot and Shield. Thank you for continuing to listen to the Shot and Shield Supercast, which can be heard on most of your favorite podcast apps, such as Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. I do ask you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast on your uh, favorite uh, podcast app. All right, so as you know, I've been working on this project called The Wars on the Silk Road, which I won't go into again because I detailed a lot of that information in my last bonus audio download. However, in this project, I'm building up my Russian colonial field force, okay? Infantry, cavalry, and artillery, but I'm also adding some non-traditional, non-historical units. One of them is a camel unit, Russian cameliers. And I have been in search of good camels in the right size and some good Russian troops the right size for this, and I finally found them. Well, sort of from Tiger Miniatures, which brings me to a product review. And now it is time for a product review. So Scott sits down and looks at some of the products that he's ordered for his campaigns. This is a Shot and Shield product review. 
So I have been searching for camels and troopers for the camels for a long time. I thought I found some, and then I didn't find some. Then I thought so I found some, and then the camels ended up too big, and then the riders ended up too small, and then the, the camels ended up too expensive, and blah, 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 blah. But finally, I went to uh, Tiger Miniatures, the Russian cavalry line, and I saw this in their Central Asia uh, section. The Russian cavalry look really, really good. And I was thinking to myself, well, at least I can get the cavalry. So I got a bunch of them, right? And I started going through the rest of Tiger Miniatures line. And I found, where is it here? Under Colonial, German and Herreros, okay? The German and Herreros, I saw this. Mounted Schutzentruppen on camels. Germans on camels for uh, World War I. And of course, you know, I did this, wah, 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 because now I thought, well, if I get the camels and the Schutzentruppen, well, maybe I can just trade the riders and then I'll have my, I'll have my Russian cavalry troopers on camels. Same company, I'm sure they'll fit. So I got them. I didn't even wait. I just said, you know what? I'm going to get the whole line. So I bought a bunch of these Russian cavalry and I bought a bunch of these mounted Schutztruppen on camels. It's like saying that, that's pretty funny. Schutztruppen, not bad, huh? And then I got them and I tested them out and sure enough, it worked. So the sculpts are really clean. There's not a lot of flash. And I'm talking about the Russian cavalry right now. They do only have one pose. The rider holding his sword up in the air in an action motion, which is really, really nice, right? But the horse, again, really nice, very clean sculpt, a little bit of flash, but it's really pedestrian. It's an average horse, tackle, bit, saddle. So, okay, look, the rider is in an action motion, like he's preparing to slice and dice, right? On a horse, he's just standing there hanging out. How can you have, I mean, just, how can you have the trooper who's ready, who's this monster action motion, this charging motion, he's coming down, he's gonna hit hit somebody, he's gonna slice and dice, and but your, your, your ride, whether it be a camel or whether it be a horse, is just kind of like standing there. Doesn't make any sense. What's the point of that, right? I get it. I'm not picking on Tiger here, Tiger Miniatures, or any of the companies that do that because there's other companies that do that as well. But it's just like this little pet peeve of mine. Now, with that said, I also ordered the German-African Troop Camel set. It came with uh, two Germans with tropical pith helmets and two camels. The Germans, they're just chilling like riders. They're just chilling. That's it. No action, but they're riding, which is cool. The camels are really nice. There's a little bit of flash. They're a great size. The Russian cavalry troopers that I got in the previous set fit them perfectly. And the only thing I'll say about, the, about these camels is their legs are just really, really thin. So you got to be careful. If you get these, you just got to be careful not to, because I, they could snap like that. And the camels, they're moving. So they got a little bit of action to them, right? So for me, I'm really happy with that. The fact that I can have my Russian cavalry figure on top of a camel, and now I have Russian cameliers. So happy Sir Scott, right? So like I said, I'm trading these riders, and I really do like these miniatures. So I don't want you to think that I'm giving like Tiger miniatures a hard time because of the, the whole, you know, rider action scene and the horse that's just standing there. And like I said, I feel this way whether it's Foundry, Outpost, Perry's, Artisan, any of these, right? And as far as the size of them go, if you have a Foundry figure, an Outpost figure, uh, an Ascari, okay, in the 28 millimeter, they're going to fit just, just perfect, okay? 
they do feel a little small compared to like the black Huster, or the Perry's or the artisan. Cause they're maybe it's more true scale. But anyway, like I said, very, very nice. I'm very happy with them. Overall, I give them a very good grade. Like I said, just a little, little flash. And there you go. So that's, uh, that's what I, that's my opinion. Obviously it's my opinion, you know, for what it's worth of the Russian colonial cavalry and the German Africa Schutzentruppen with camels. Uh, still to come, Scenario Builder next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. Oh, oh, honor is satisfied. God clearly preserves you for greatness. From the land of the audio to the world of the visual, the Shot and Shield podcast is on YouTube. I use YouTube for supplementary information, such as watch-along videos, documentaries of interest, movies that I find that uh, best represent colonial or 19th century inspirations or gaming, and eventually video from interviews that I've uh, already done and that you've heard on the podcast. Just search out, in parentheses, Shot and Shield. You got to put the parentheses in there, parentheses, Shot and Shield, and parentheses, and you'll find it on the YouTube. There's also a link on the podcast info page. So check it out and subscribe to Shot and Shield on YouTube. This is Shot and Shield. I hear that conditions in your army are appalling. Well, I'm sorry, but those are my conditions and you'll just have to accept them. Once again, I'd like to thank you for uh, joining me today on the January 2022 edition of the Shot and Shield Supercast. I do want to uh, wish you a happy, happy new year, and I hope everything that uh, you plan on doing this year comes to fruition. And I I really want to thank you for your support of the Shot and Shield Supercast and listening on your favorite podcast app. And I do thank you for subscribing and sharing and all the great comments that I've heard. It's really nice to know that uh, it's a, it, that the effort's appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And as a gift from me to you, let's hit it. It's time for Scenario Builder. We will fight them on the tables. We will fight them at the convention. We will fight them in the game rooms and in the parlors. We will fight them in the clubs. Recall it. In this episode, Scenario Builder, I'm dropping a scenario on you called Breakout. And no, it's not the old Atari game. In this scenario, one side is trapped and surrounded and has to break out in order to survive and win the scenario. So first off, let's give you the points and restrictions. The field force that must break out gets 30 points. And the field force that must prevent the breakout gets 40 points. I designed these scenarios using the men who would be kings rule set. So that's where the points come in. Here are the restrictions. This will be an infantry only game. No cavalry, no cannon, no machine guns, no rockets, etc. You feeling me? The field force that has to break out starts in the center of the table, which uh, has to be at least a four by four uh, size, uh, maybe a card table. All right, one of those square card tables. At least has to be that. The field force that must break out also starts out in hard cover. You decide what that is. A house, rocks, a fort, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, you decide. Because in order to win the scenario, at least 40% of your field force must travel off of the table by turn 15. Or the other field force wins. You decide what unit plays what. 
Your breakout field force could be European force or a tribal force, because in the end, the points you are given determine the strength of the force. Also, the burden is really on the field commander who has, who has to prevent the breakout. You have to cover all avenues of escape, plus have a unit strong enough to stop or delay the breakout until help arrives, right? This also gives the field commanders a chance for some guile. That's why I like this scenario, because it's just not about how many people have how many guns or, or cavalry or whatever. There actually has to be some real sweet tactics and some guile and you only have 15 turns. So you, you can't just hang out in the fort or under the hard cover and wait for everything to diminish and then take off. There you go. This episode scenario builder entitled Breakout. I will post this on the uh, Facebook page and share it to the Twitter in case uh, you don't have the Facebook, but you have the Twitter, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'll, ha I'll have it pinned uh, like I do all the uh, scenarios in Scenario Builder. We will fight them on the tables. We will fight them at the convention. We will fight them in the game rooms and in the parlors. We will fight them in the clubs. We call it Scenario Builder. Now, still ahead, we're going to be wrapping up the show, but not before we start digging around the audio vault, digging and sweeping away the dust to see what we got today and something very special on the Shot and Shield Supercast. This is Shot and Shield. Hallie ho, tip tip them, Bernard's your uncle. Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page, at Shot and Shield. Please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. This is Shot and Shield. Good luck against those elephants. Thank you for continuing to listen to the Shot and Shield Supercast. I am your audio archaeologist, Dr. Phineas J. Scott. And in this episode of the Supercast, <laughs> sorry, I have found a Northwest India classic audio version of the lives of a Bengal Lancer. This one starring Errol Flynn. Now, the movie version uh, starred Gary Cooper. In the radio version, Errol Flynn takes the lance in the story about Her Majesty's Lancers in Northwest India battling rebellious tribesmen. A story about their tradition and sense of honor. Originally, it was a production of the Lux Radio Theater. Lux being some sort of soap, all right? I think it's probably still around today, but <laughs> I don't know anybody uses it. I have edited this in order to focus on the story. So I kind of took out all the old-timey commercials and everything. So I'm going to hit play, and afterwards, I'll have some comments, some observations, some thoughts. So here we go. From 1939, The Lives of a Bengal Lancer, starring Errol Flynn. From Hollywood, California, the Lux Radio Theater presents Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, Jackie Cooper, and C. Aubrey Smith in Lives of a Bengal Lancer.
presents Hollywood. This is the thrilling story of the men who bring peace and order to a far-flung corner of India. Suggested by the book by Francis Yates Brown and filmed by Paramount, we stage lives of a Bengal dancer with Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, C. Aubrey Smith, Jackie Cooper, and Douglas Dumbrell. And now, the producer of the Lux Radio Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. The region of the Khyber Pass in the desolate mountains of northwest India is a land where time stands still. There at this moment, on mounted patrol, are some of the most extraordinary and superb cavalry the world has ever seen, the Bengal Lancers. Commanded by British officers, you'll find in their ranks native Mohammedans, Hindus, and powerful dignified Sikhs who wear their full black beards held close to their faces in nets rattle-iron bracelets at their wrists, and stick tiny daggers in their turbaned hair. On one side of their saddles hangs a sword, on the other a rifle, while their fingers embrace the primitive but deadly bamboo lance, whose steel head has bred respect for peace and the Union Jack in the haunts of the ferocious Afridi tribesmen. This story is told tonight by four vigorous commentators, Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, C. Aubrey Smith, and Jackie Cooper. With a background as adventurous as anything in fiction, Errol rides tonight as Lieutenant McGregor of the Bengal Lancers. Brian Ahern, pilot and aviation enthusiast, is seen shortly in the much-talked-of Hal Roach production, Captain Fury. We hear him as Lieutenant Forsyth. Back in 1888, in the gold fields of South Africa, C. Aubrey Smith was pronounced dead of pneumonia. However, he, he had other ideas on the subject. And now in his 76th year, is a player with the Hollywood Cricket Club and its president. Commander of the Order of the British Empire, this great character actor is with us tonight as Colonel Stone. And Jackie Cooper, who's been an actor for 11 of his 16 years, is Hollywood's most popular and persistent trap drummer. He comes here from the set of Paramount's What a Life and is heard as Lieutenant Stone. Douglas Dumbrill returns to us as Mohammed Khan. And so we set our sights for India as the Lux Radio Theater presents Lives of a Bengal Lancer. India. The India of the northwest frontier. Looming like frowning barriers are the mountains. Rugged cliffs ideal for sniping from which the bloodthirsty hill tribes swoop down eager for battle against a handful of seasoned British soldiers. Here is stationed His Majesty's crack Indian Regiment, the 41st Bengal Lancers. On an almost impassable roadway, a small detachment of Lancers struggles upward into the hills. There's no sign of life above them, no movement on the cliffs, but suddenly... Column, halt! Well, there you are, Hendrickson. I told you they're up there. I never doubted it, Mr. McGregor. Well, what do we do? Just stand here and take it? We go forward slowly. But on no account do we return fire. But they're shooting at us, man. What did he send us out here for? I don't know, McGregor, and neither do you, but the colonel does. Forward! Hendrickson, this is suicide. I don't mind getting pink, but I want at least one shot at the beggars. Where I come from, Where you come from, the Royal Canadian Mounted always get their man. You're not in Canada now, Mr. McGregor. There. That's Lawton. He's down. Now we can start. Something. No, I tell you. Colonel's orders. 
Hold your fire. But the old fool can't have foreseen this, Hendrickson. Look, Mac, I'd like to have you with me in war, but for peace, you're... 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 To... Hendrickson. Call him, halt! Hendrickson. Where is it? I- impulsive. That, that's what I was trying to say. Mr. McGregor, is Captain Hendrickson hurt, sir? He's dead. Open fire. Break every tree and rock on that cliff. Go on. I don't understand it. I gave definite orders to Hendrickson that our detachment was not to return fire. Perhaps there's some explanation, Colonel Stone. All we know, at least till they get back, is that there was a skirmish and we drove the Afridis back into the hills. Skirmish, yes. With Mohammed Khan himself. Mohammed Khan? Certainly. He was nibbling at my bait, too. If he'd come down off that hill, I'd have had him at last. Four detachments were standing by in the rear to surround him. Oh, that was your plan? Of course. Now I can't prove it was Mohammed Khan. I don't touch him. I'm shocked at Hendrickson. I thought him a good officer. Perhaps, sir, if you'd explain to the detachment that they were only there as bait. Explain orders? Explain orders to subordinates? I'm surprised at you, Hamilton. What is it? Mr. McGregor, sir. McGregor? He was second in command, sir. Send him in. Mr. McGregor? Well, McGregor, why didn't Hendrickson come himself? Wounded? No, sir. Dead, sir. Dead? Killed by the Afridis. There's your explanation, Colonel. Most unfortunate. Most unfortunate the command was handed out to you, McGregor. You didn't know my orders. I knew them, sir. You did? And you deliberately disobeyed them? Why? We were losing men, sir. But you did disobey my orders? Yes, sir. And when Hendrickson was killed, I... Hendrickson knew my orders and obeyed them. Hendrickson was a good soldier. This is more than I can say for you. Then we'll go to your quarters, Mr. I say, easy on the bungalow, Mac. You're looking very sour, Mr. McGregor. Would you mind turning the other way? You disturb my music. You know, I'm finally getting the hang of this Afghan clarinet. Listen. Oh, will you please lay off that thing, Forsyth? Oh, certainly, Mr. McGregor. Oh. What's the matter, Mac? Been reprimanded? Yes. Oh, Ramrod Stone. I'm no soldier, apparently, because when I'm attacked, I fight back. Ah, I was afraid you'd get in trouble over that patrol business. Why, you knew Hendrickson had strict orders not to fire. I was speaking to Mr. Dawson, Forsyth. I beg your pardon, old man. The colonel's been on this border 20 years, Mac. He knows it pretty well. And I don't, I suppose. Well, I know enough to fight back when my men begin to fall... Stone's got nothing but a ramrod for a backbone. Oh, yes, I know. He's a terror for drilling. But when it comes to the real thing, what's he got? Nothing. (laughs) Bravo! Hurrah for Mr. McGregor! Why, Mr. McGregor! Yes, and here comes the other boot. And here... Here are the day's orders all typed, Colonel. Thank you, Major. Routine, routine. Uh, what's this, Major? Uh, the, uh, the the subaltern replacement for Hendrickson. He arrives tomorrow on the Delhi train. Ah, oh. what are they sending us? Stone, sir, from Sandhurst. From Sandhurst? Yes, sir. Straight to the frontier from military college? I can't even be dry behind the ears. What did you say his name is? Uh, Stone, sir. Donald Stone. I see. Huh. You have a brother in the war office, haven't you, Hamilton? Yes, sir. And who asked you and him to interfere in my personal affairs? A pair of you, maiden aunts, 
wangling my son into a cushy berth so his father will make things short for him, eh? Will you forget you're my colonel for a moment, sir? Why not? Huh. You've forgotten it. Look, Tom, in two years you'll have to retire. Oh, you feel sorry for me, is that it? Not at all. It's only to keep the name of Stone in the 41st after you've gone. Keep the name in the 41st. Sentimentality. You don't know what you've done, Hamilton. He, he belongs to his mother, not to me. She took him away from me. Hated the army, everything about it. I haven't seen him since he was a little shaver. But the only decent thing she ever did was to put him through Sandhurst. And now you do this. I've a good mind to refuse him. Well, hardly fair, Tom, to ship him back without trial. Well, you'll have to measure up to my standards. And at the first sign of favoritism from you or anyone else, there'll be trouble. That's an order, Major Hamilton. Lieutenant McGregor? Yes, sir. Lieutenant Forsyth? Yes, Major. Meet the replacement subaltern at the Delhi train. He'll be quartered in the bungalow with you. Lieutenant Donald Stone is the name. Stone? The Colonel's son. His what? He said his son. Well, well. Imagine old Ramrod having been that human. Oh, I never even knew he was married. Why, sure. Can't you see him proposing? Madam, you marry me Wednesday the 29th. Be at the church at 10. That's an order. <laughs> Furthermore, you're improperly dressed, madam. Boom. <laughs> This is the living room. The washroom opens off here, Mr. Stone. Why, I thought you'd be living in shacks. This is positively luxurious. Oh, we, uh, we try to be civilized, Mr. Stone. Uh, wait till that heat comes down now. Well, let's have a look at the stables, eh? It's all rather thrilling, don't you think? Thrilling? Oh, I mean, it's like Kipling and all that. Kipling? Kipling? Uh, who's Kipling, Mr. Forsyth? Kipling? Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't believe I ever heard of him. Oh, really? Oh, you're, you're pulling my leg, of course. Gentlemen? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. It's always been my impression that we salute when passing a superior officer. Sorry, sir, we didn't see you. Who's this? A new subaltern replacement, sir. Colonel Stone, um, Lieutenant Stone. Uh, how do you do, sir? Ah, yes, yes. Mr. Stone, you've come to us direct from military training school, hmm? Without previous service? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Well, you've a great deal to learn. I trust you'll measure up to our requirements. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, sir. Doesn't he... Doesn't he ever say more than that to newcomers? Oh, yes. Sometimes he comments on the weather. Oh. You see, the colonel's pretty much of a stickler for red tape. I mean, distance between his men and all that, you know. Oh. Well, then, I'm no exception. I mean, he didn't single me out for anything? No, no. That's just his man. He's all right when you know him. Oh. You must excuse me. You know... Well, this is the first time I can ever remember ever seeing him. What? Do you mean it? I, I don't know quite what I expected. Well, you'll know next time. Oh, look. Wait. I nearly forgot something. Where did I put that? Oh, here. Uh, take this stone, this uh, paper of the colonel we just done. Regimental headquarters. Did he ask to have me take this to him? I said take it to the colonel. I forgot to give it to him. Yes, sir. Very good, sir. <laughs> Nice work, Mr. McGregor. Well, what's funny about that? You are. Rough soldier. Heart of gold. Reconciling father and son after years of separation. Oh, he's all right when you know him. <laughs> Since when? That paper was a blank, wasn't it? Oh, why don't you shut up? 
Oh, never mind, Mac. The mother instinct comes out in all of us. <laughs> I kiss the dear fingers so ah. toil-worn for me. So bless you and keep you, dear mother McGregor. Oh, yes, <laughs> Come in. Lieutenant Stone, sir. Oh. oh. Well, Lieutenant? For this paper, sir, I, I was told to bring it to you. Well, let's have it. Of all the... Where did you get this? Mr. McGregor, sir. He said... Infernal impudence. I beg your pardon, sir. No, 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 no. no. Not you, not you, not you. Well, how's your mother? Quite well, sir. Good, good. She always hated the army, didn't she? Yes, sir. I don't understand how she let you go through Sandhurst. Well, she had to, sir. I kept after her. Oh. You wanted to be a soldier, eh? We've always been soldiers for generations. Still, you're not one yet, you know. Yes, sir. You shouldn't be here, on the frontier. But I am, sir. Yes, and why? Influence, favoritism. But with me, the good of the service, the regiment, comes first. That's what Mother always said about you, sir. Yes, that's what your mother always said. Well, well, now you're here, don't try to take advantage. I won't, sir. I didn't expect... And you understand, of course, the situation makes any sort of social relationship impossible. Yes, sir. Is that all, sir? That's all, Lieutenant. What's that? There? Oh, that's the Mohammedan call to prayer. You always know when it's time to dress for dinner by that. Hand me that shaving mug, will you, Stone? Yeah. See the colonel today? Yes. Huh, so did I. I got another reprimand for sending in blank orders. I imagine you didn't do so well either. I'm sorry, Stone. Quite all right. What'd you do all day? Stable duty. What? So soon? I'm not complaining. Well, that wouldn't help you anyhow. You know, every time I look in this mirror, I remind myself of my old man. Ooh, back home. Where was that? Alberta, Canada, wheat farm. You know, I had a coat once. A lot of nerves. A lot of class, too. You could see when he was a yearling, he was no cart horse. Well, my old man hooked him to a plow, and he took all the spirit out of him. He said he'd break him in, and he did. You don't have to be so subtle, Mac. Huh? Am I the horse? What do you mean? I'm no two-year-old, Mr. McGregor, and if anybody thinks my old man is going to break my nerve, he's mistaken. Well, I wasn't thinking of you at all. Hey, Forsyth, lay off that thing, will you? Yeah, let me tell you another thing. I don't need a nurse, Mr. McGregor. What on earth are you talking about? I... Forsyth, do you have to do that? Well, it's the softer side to my nature, like yours. Uh, Stone, get out there and tell him to stop that thing, will you? Tell him it's an order. Yes, sir. Mother McCree, I'd like to wrap that thing around his neck. McGregor! McGregor! What's the matter? Forsyth, he's on the veranda. There's a cobra right above him, swaying to the music. Where's the revolver? Oh, wait a minute. Cobra? Yes, right over his head. Well, never mind. I'll take care of it. He'll be all right as long as he keeps playing. Come on. Oh, Mr. Forsyth. Very pretty. You're improving. They're lovely little things, cobras. Especially when they're swaying three inches from your nose. Shoot it. Quick. Oh, no, no. How about a few variations for the right hand? Cobras have a softer side of their natures, too, haven't they? Finds an outlet in music. Of course, as soon as you stop playing, well, I've heard of men living two and three hours afterwards. Knew one fellow who lived two days. What's the matter? Getting tired? Oh, come on. 
Two or three more notes, Forsyth. Come on, that's right. Now, if you'll move your own nose a half inch to the left. All right, steady. <laughs> Thanks, Mac. Well, you win, mister. Here, for sale, cheap. One second-hand Afghan bagpipe. Mother McCree. Yes. Take a seat. Mr. McGregor, I assume you're familiar with the roads northeast of Fort Jamrod? Yes, sir. Then listen closely. We suspect there's a coalition of several of the border states being formed against us. We think the ringleader is Mohammed Khan, chief of the Magala. I have a spy in his territory, a Ghazi horse dealer. He's now at Judput Pass, waiting to get a message through to me. I want you to get in touch with him, and you'll leave at once. Yes, sir. Take one subaltern and ten men. Yes, sir. What subaltern shall I take, sir? Any preferences? Well, Mr. Stone, sir. No. No service experience. Take Forsyth. But Lieutenant Stone hasn't seen any duty yet, sir. If he's ever going to get any experience... Did you hear what I said, Mr. McGregor? You'll take Forsyth, not Stone. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Here are your orders. And this time, please obey them. Already, Mr. McGregor, Mr. Forsyth? Yes, right. already. Why wasn't I sent on this exposition? You've got to tell me. Ready, sir? In a moment. Wait a minute. Why don't you answer me? Now, look here, Stone. I'd have taken you along, but you haven't had any experience. What excuse is that? How am I ever going to have experience? I'm doing things here that I learned my first year in Sandhurst. Stable duty. I haven't asked any favors. I'm not asking now. But I resent being held back because I happen to be related to the commanding officer. No one's holding you back. He is. And you let him choose foresight. He didn't choose. I chose. I chose foresight. Very well. Very well. It looks as if I ever want to get any experience, I'll have to get it myself. Well, now, what was all that about? Oh, well, whatever it is, we haven't time for it now. Mother McCree, that's me, all right. Biggest fool in the lances. Hm. Forward! Curtain Falls on Act One of Lives of a Bengal Lancer, starring Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, Jackie Cooper, and C. Aubrey Smith. We continue with Lives of a Bengal Lancer, starring Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, Jackie Cooper, and C. Aubrey Smith. Several days have passed since McGregor and Forsyth left to seek information on the movements of the hill tribes. It's long after midnight. And in the lamplit regimental headquarters, Colonel Stone remains in conference with the Chief of Army Intelligence, Sir Thomas Woodley. Personally, I feel the Emir of Bhopal is only a tool in the hands of Mohammed Khan. Definitely, General. I've known the Emir of Bhopal 20 years, and I don't believe he'd join this war against us. Why, every year or so I take the regiment of Bhopal for the hunting. That means hunting wild pigs in this section. Why not drop in on him as usual this year? If our information is correct, Mohammed Khan will be there. <laughs> Nothing would please me more. Mr. McGregor has just returned, sir. Good. Ask him to come in. This is the man I sent to reconnoiter. McGregor? Well, McGregor? All safe? All safe, sir. Good. And you saw our man? Yes, sir. He says the Afghan chief is rounding up the border tribes against us. Mohammed Khan has agreed to furnish two million rounds of ammunition. Two million rounds? And did our man learn where Mohammed Khan hopes to get it? Yes, sir. By capturing our year's supply train, sir. Good work. Thank you, McGregor. Uh, may I speak, sir? Well? 
Why can't we slip out of here? Strike first. Wipe out Muhammad Khan before he attacks us. Uh, are you suggesting I begin hostilities before consulting Army Intelligence Headquarters? Army Intelligence. They're a bunch of old ladies, sir. They won't give us action. They'll send us to the Amir of Bhopal's for parade or pig-sticking. An excellent suggestion. What? Sir Thomas, may I present Lieutenant McGregor? McGregor, this is Major General Sir Thomas Woodley, Chief of Army Intelligence. Oh. Oh, yes, sir. How do you do? Uh, very well, thank you. Colonel Stone, your regiment leaves a door to hunt wild pigs on the estate of the Amir Bhopal. Do you hear that, McGregor? Uh, yes, sir. Then let it be a lesson in diplomacy. Now get yourself a few hours sleep. We leave at five. Pig sticking. That's marvelous, that is. <laughs> oh, Mac, will you keep quiet? I was just falling asleep. Intelligence department. Action's just about to bust around here, and all we do is to go and ride over the private hunting grounds of a tin whistle prince, sticking lances into pigs. Wonderful. <laughs> Sounds rather fun. I ought to be good at that. Uh, oh, by the way, I've got some bad news for you. Your ward, young Stone. Well, what about him? What about him? <laughs> what about him indeed? What are you talking about? Well, every night since we left, he's been down in the native quarter of the town. Rolls home blotto about dawn. He does? Is he there now? Oh, he's out on the usual binge, I imagine. But we leave for Bhopal in two hours. Oh, my, my. What will stern father say if we leave without his son? You know, you really ought to do something about it, Meg. Oh, let old Ramrod do something about it. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I reasoned along similar lines. However, you might hang a lamp in the window or something. Native quarters, eh? Well, I suppose I'd better go and get him. So long, Nursey. Oh, shut up. McGregor, you're late. Line's been waiting ten minutes for you. Sorry, sir. We, I mean, I overslept. Overslept? Report to me later. Join your squadron. One yes, moment, sir. Well, Lieutenant Stone. He didn't oversleep, sir. Mr. McGregor spent the night digging me out of a native quarter and trying to get me sober. Mr. Stone, if I didn't need every officer, I'd place you under immediate arrest. Take a place. We leave for Bhopal at once. Big reception. Fancy speeches. All Bopal will turn out in the morning for what? Well, I believe you said for pig sticking. Yeah, uh, shut up. If you don't mind, Mac, I rather like it here. It's like something out of Arabian Nights. I say, look, on that bench by the fountain, that girl. Oh, well, Mr. McGregor. Oh, definitely. She is beautiful, isn't she? I wonder who she is. <clears throat> that, my friend, is what I'm just going to find out. Uh, you... Well, I saw her first, didn't I? Now, Mac, you know you're lying. I oh, saw her. No, oh, wait a minute. No, I, I really, you know it, I saw her first. Loser, keep clear. But I say, really, gentlemen. <laughs> hey, look. Look out. Here comes the colonel and that chief of the Oxford Brogue. Pull in your stomachs, gentlemen. Now, I'd like you to meet two more of my officers, Mr. McGregor and Mr. Forsyth. This gentleman is our friend and neighbor across the border from our station, Mohammed Khan. Mohammed? Oh, honored Khan Sahib. Khan Sahib. A very great pleasure, gentlemen. And now, Khan Saab, if you'll grant me a few moments' private conversation. 
There are a few things I'd like to discuss. Well, I'll be at Muhammad Khan. The enemy himself. And I thought we came here for pig sticking. Mr. Forsyth, let me give you some advice. Never make fun of army intelligence. Thank you, Mr. McGregor. And now, I believe we had some unfinished business. Oh, yes, yes, the little slide number on the bench. Right, heads or tails? Uh, don't bother, Mac. Look over there. Your ward has beat us to it. Well, can you beat that? Well, well I suppose we'll have to rescue him again, Forsyth. Just what I was thinking. Come along, old man. Tanya Volonskaya. Did I say it right? Oh, you have a wonderful Russian accent, Mr. Stone. Oh, there. I knew you were Russian. Oh. Hello, Casanova. Oh, hello. You were telling me, Miss Volonskaya, about the opera? I'm sorry, Mr. Stone, but Major Hamilton wants you. Very important. Now, look here, Mac. I, I, That's I... an order, Mr. Stone. Very well. Pardon me, Miss Volonskaya. I'll be back in a moment. Too bad he had to leave, Miss Volonskaya. Did I hear it right? Uh, did uh, we hear it right? Oh, yes. That is correct. Uh, no manners, this younger generation, Miss Volonskaya. Forgot the introductions. Now, uh, this is Mr. McGregor, who is strongly imbued with the protective instinct. Oh, and this is Mr. Forsyth, who is a snake charmer. Oh, won't you sit down? Well, thanks. You said something of snake charming? Did I? Oh, I much to talk about myself. Now, you take me. I'm from Canada, up in Alberta. A thoroughly dirty trick, Mac, and I won't keep still. You will keep still. These walls are like paper, and your voice carries all over the place. You made me walk right into a heavy discussion between the colonel and that Mohammed Khan chap with the Oxford accent. The old man was furious. Look, uh, you two, please put out that lamp and go to sleep. I'll get even with you someday, Mac. You see if I don't. All right, then. If you want the truth, here it is. And this is the reason you've got to keep away from her. She's Mohammed Khan's. What? Yes, she came here with him. We found it out afterwards. She? I don't believe it. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't believe it, Forsyth. Oh, go to sleep. Do we have to be up every night saving him from women? We've got to be up at dawn again for pigs. Pacing your tent will not settle your problems, Mohammed Khan. Perhaps not, Tanya. But it will help assuage my anger. Is the great Mohammed Khan angry at the unexpected? You don't understand. I laid a trap for this wise old fox of a British colonel to fall into. I wished him to attack the border while I remained peacefully here. His being here ruins my plans to seize the two million rounds of ammunition I pledged myself to furnish. You would like to have the old fox attack the border? What else have I been saying? Have you ever taken a cub? From a tigress. Is this a time for riddles? What do you mean? The wise old fox has brought with him his cub. He paid you marked attention this evening. <laughs> yes, the cub likes me. Now, if that cub were captured, taken wherever you want the old one to follow... <laughs> <laughs> My dear Tanya, forgive me. I'm continually surprised to discover intelligence in a woman of such great beauty. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we have not lost yet, my Tanya. If you could send him a message secretly tonight. At once, Mohammed Khan. Who is it? Who's out there? Open the door. Hey, that sounds like Major Hamilton. All times to wake a man up. McGregor. Forsyth. Yes, sir. We'll go to the colonel's quarters at once. 
Yes, sir. Anything wrong? Mohammed Khan and his men have decamped. And they've taken young Stone with them. he's gone back to the border, we can be at Magala as soon as he can. This regiment can ride, sir. I'm quite aware my regiment can ride. But it's not going to ride. Mohammed Khan kidnapped my son to goad me into pursuing him. To draw the lancers out of position. He's mistaken his man. The regiment stays right here. Obedient to the intelligence department. Then let me go, sir. I could take a small detachment. Thank you, Mr. McGregor, but I'll allow no officer to risk his life when another's own disobedience and folly caused his trouble. Colonel Stone, you've been on the border a long time, I know. But perhaps you've never heard what Muhammad Khan does to his prisoners. I've been on this border 20 years, Mr. McGregor. You're unnecessarily dramatic. Am I? I was just beginning to think I was wrong about you. But I wasn't. You're nothing but a ramrod. You'll sit here while they kill your son by inches. Please, Mr. McGregor. Pending charges of insubordination, consider yourself under arrest. Mr. Forsyth? Yes, sir. You'll be responsible for the prisoner. Yes, sir. Come along, McGregor. Colonel Stone, you... That will do. Yes, sir. Major Hamilton? Yes, Colonel. You will see that everything goes on as usual. We must show no alarm. Yes, sir. It's strange, Major. But for the first time, I begin to realize I have a son. You will go to your quarters, Major. Spoke your mind. If there's any virtue in that. Regiment. Duty. You're improperly dressed. The old stuffed shirt. Why, I could... Ah, look here, man. Get some sense. Do you imagine it was easy for him to do this? Well, why not? He'd do the same to any of us. Well, you're wrong. I watched his face. He was as white as a sheet. Well, isn't that nice? That's being a man and a soldier, I suppose. Well, if it is, I don't want any part of it. Look, Mac. It ever occur to you to wonder why a handful of men have managed to order the lives of 300 million people out here in India? Because he's here. And a few more like him. Men who put their jobs ahead of everything. Neither death, death, nor love can move them from it. And when his breed dies out, well, that's the end, dear Mick. Huh. You're on his side, are you? Well, I'm not. He can sit over there and hug his duty all he wants to. But I'm going to do something. I'm going after that kid. Oh, really, Mr. McGregor? <laughs> you place me in a most unfortunate position. Now, listen, Forsythe. I don't want any trouble from Maybe you. Maybe you never heard what Muhammad Khan does to his prisoners, Mr. McGregor. I'm going to go in native costume. I'll get by all right. But I'm going. Oh, very well. When do we start? What, what do you mean, we? Well, you're my prisoner, you know. Can't let you out of my sight. We'll go after the kid. Oh, so I'm Mother McCree, huh? Well, I guess this makes you something, too. Come along, Mrs. Forsythe. Come along. We pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. just finished the second act of Lives of a Bengal Lancer, starring Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, Jackie Cooper, and C. Aubrey Smith.
fortified valley, nestled among the forbidding Afghan mountains, lies Mogala, stronghold of Mohammed Khan. In a crude room, richly hung with fine tapestries, the Khan, in native dress, is seated cross-legged on the floor. He smiles as he's told of the capture of two British officers. And one of them played most atrociously upon a Pashto reed pipe. When we arrested them as impostors, he dropped the pretense of being deaf and dumb and claimed he played the pure music of Arabia. <laughs> These English, what bravery to cross our mountains in such a fashion, disguised as our own people. I believe I shall have dinner in the Great Hall tonight, Hassan. And I will have these two English officers as my guest with Mr. Stone. I want the dinner to be faultless. In the English manner, I taught you. Candles. The good silver. The fine china. And yes, the 1870 brandy and the 1912 Medoc. It is done, Mohammed Khan. Oh, yes. I've seen some excellent cricket in my day, Mr. Forsyth. I was asked for 1910, you know. Oh, really? Ah, then that explains your tastes. A really splendid dinner, can't I? The mutton, how was it? Ah, uh, well, now you make my position very difficult. <laughs> Pride of country, you know. <laughs> English mutton is acknowledged the finest. <laughs> More brandy, Mr. Stone? No, thank you. Oh, but you've scarcely eaten a thing. Come, Mr. Stone, a soldier should never refuse to eat. Drink or make love. My sentiments exactly, Khan Sahib. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow... For tomorrow we die. Khan Sahib, I'm getting fed up with this cat and mouse stuff. What's the score? Easy, Meg. You've caught us. Now what are you going to do with us? <laughs> Mr. McGregor wants action. Well, perhaps you shall have it. It will depend. Go on. I naturally regret that Colonel Stone did not rise to my bait and attack me when I uh, uh, removed his son. I now must admit I had underestimated the Colonel's intelligence. Well, what's that make us? It makes of you whatever you choose. In fact, I am prepared to furnish all three of you with horses and a safe conduct pass to the mountain tribes so you may rejoin your regiment. And what's the catch? You have but to answer two simple questions. Watch this one, Mick. <laughs> I want to know by what route the yearly ammunition train is coming to supply the 41st Lancers and just where the 41st Lancers plans to meet it. Hmm. Well, when the furry household animal jumped out of the bag... It really jumped, didn't it? <laughs> well, gentlemen, you will not tell me. We have ways to make men talk, as you are all no doubt thinking, effective ways. And so, if you will not give the information voluntarily, I will have to call upon experts to assist you. My household guards, gentlemen. Does this mean we're prisoners, not guests? I regret to say it does. Well, that's splendid. Because I've been wanting to tell you all along what I really thought of that mutton. Precisely my thought, Mr. McGregor. Uh, I regret to say it, Mohammed Khan, but your mutton is distinctly inferior. The word, Mr. Forsyth, is rotten. Now, this gentleman, as you may have guessed, is the... Uh... The room where we obtain much of our most desirable information. Good God. Steady, pull yourself together, Stan. Oh, really, sirs? Must I proceed to such unpleasant and absurd extremes as torture? Well, now these, these are the beginning. They look like mere strips of thin bamboo. However, driven under the nails and lighted, we find them very, uh, warm <laughs> and persuasive. <laughs> 
Blackbridge, hello. Mr. Forsyth and Mr. Stone, I will ask you two to watch while we start with Mr. McGregor. Salutary, the effect of watching at times. You devil, shut up. Thank you, Mr. Forsyth. I dislike dramatics intensely myself. Now, Mr. McGregor, if you will sit down, please. Blackbridge, hello. Warm, Mr. McGregor? Now, that ammunition train will be where, please? I don't know. Where? I don't know. Oh, but you do. Think hard. I don't know. I don't know. That you, Forsyth? Yes. Have a cigarette. Are they all through with you? I hope so. <laughs> Seem to have got to the second stage with Stone. <laughs> I thought they'd busted the whip on me. You know, now I've been through it. The licking my old man gave me once was almost as bad. Told me. You didn't talk, did you? Not unless I was unconscious. Did I? If I knew you could swear like you did. Oh. Oh, I'm not so bad. They're keeping him longer in there than they kept us. Yeah. Seems like it. Hope he's had a licking from his old man. Well, not him. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, well, that's a new experience for him. Well, somehow it, it hurts worse to hear it on him. Maybe that's because you think of talk. Well, don't you? I can't help it. Feel... Well, after all, he's got the old man's blood in him. They're bringing him in. Hope so. Oh, my God, my God. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Here, here, take his head back. On the bed with him. Right. Up. Here, here cigarette, kid. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Listen, did you talk? Leave me alone. Sorry, Stone. We have to know. I didn't talk to you. I swear I didn't. All right, kid. All right, we believe you. Here, here, take the cigarette. Well, I guess Mohammed Khan found the Lancers a pretty tough bunch. Say, uh, maybe one of you fellas can tell me, when do whiskers stop itching and get to be a beard? Now, that is really a problem for the philosophers, Mr. McGregor. Now, take my own beard. I would say that in another week I shall be uh, about eligible for the French Academy. Oh, don't you fellows ever talk like human beings? When you're in jail, Mr. Stone, you cease to be a human being. Oh, listen. Listen, what's that noise? Take a look from the window. Right. It's another caravan, probably. Well, what's the matter? Stone. What? Didn't you tell us that they didn't make your talk? I told you I didn't talk. I gave you my word, didn't I? What you see out there? It's another caravan, all right. They're loaded with ammunition boxes. Hundreds of them. And all bearing our seal. Our ammunition? Two million rounds. Captured by Muhammad Khan if it turns back against British soldiers. You hear that, Stone? That's what you've done. Oh, don't, don't. I couldn't help it. I no couldn't. No wonder they didn't take us back into that torture chamber. They didn't have to. Because you told them. Because you didn't have the nerve to stand a little pain. Well, you think of the pain you'll cause our men, our messmates. Oh, stop it. One of us gone to pieces is enough. <laughs> Don't take it too hard, Stone. It's not your fault entirely. But I can see now how right your father was. The Lancers are soldiers, well-seasoned soldiers, toughened by service. You're a kid and the Lancers are men. Your father wanted to make a man of you. Wanted to get you so that you could take it. <laughs> 
take anything and never let the army down. That's the only thing we want out here. A chance to do a job and to do it well. Well, I guess you know that now, kid. Watch it. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, well, the old mutton server. My friends, I thought you might be interested to know your clever Colonel Stone is about to pay me a visit. Some call it an attack against me with the 41st Bengal Lancers. They're now only two hours away. I expect to make his reception a memorable one. But I hope to capture the Colonel alive so that I may see his face when I present him with his son, who has betrayed him. Good evening, my friends. 300 lances against that ammunition. Oh, the colonel wouldn't do anything so foolish. He has to. Once that ammunition is distributed, it means a general war. He's got to try to recapture it or destroy that ammunition. Wait. Uh, got an idea? I think so. What do you see out there, Mac? I was just measuring the distance from here to the place where they're storing that stuff. Oh, about, uh, about 200 yards, I'd no, say. No, 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 near 100. Yeah, I ran the 200 at Cambridge. Is that so? Well, I run the ha- run the 110 flat at McGill. This is a job for 100 yards. Toss your for it, Mac. Oh, no, you don't. I'm your superior officer. You take your orders from well, me. Don't forget you're my prisoner. You take orders from me. No. Shh. Someone's coming. That's the guard. Without food. Now. Yes, I chance. Get behind the door. Get it, Mac. What's so long, Mac? Oh, no, you don't. If anyone's going. I'm sorry, Forsyth. But I said this was my job. So long. Mac, Mac, come back. Shut up. You want to give him away? What's he going to do? He's going to blow up that ammunition shed. If he can. Blow up the... Mac! Get away from that door. Oh, no, no. I'm going after you him. You'll try it and you'll get what Mac gave me. Oh, but he's going to die for what I did. Let me out. Let me out. You... Oh. You asked for it, Stone. Now, listen. McGregor went out there to blow up that ammunition. And himself with it so that your father can hold up his head. You might think you can run out on that, but you can't. You're going to face it. All your life you'll face it. And your father's never going to know. And that's the debt you owe McGregor. You hear? I hear. I hear. Yes, then you pray that Mac has luck in blowing that place up, or you'll have no father to keep the secret from. Go on, pray. Pray, I tell you. Oh, God. God, let him get away. It's a miracle I'm asking now. But he's there to die for me. For what I've done, it's I who should die. There he goes. There he goes. Across the yard. Oh, keep going, Mac. Keep going, man. Go on. He's there. He's there. Good boy, Mac. Good boy. And by the command of His Majesty, the King Emperor, and in the presence of this regiment, I confer upon you, Lieutenant Forsyth, the Distinguished Service Order. Thank you, sir. Second, Lieutenant Donald Stone, 41st Bengal Lancers for conspicuous gallantry in action. During the recent siege of Mangala, he broke from the cell in which he was imprisoned and attacked the enemy from within, killing their leader, Mohammed Khan and thus demoralizing hostile forces when the success of our arms is in the balance. Lieutenant Donald Stone, by command of His Majesty the King Emperor, and in the sight of this regiment, I confer upon you the Distinguished Service Order. My boy. Thank you, sir. 
Captain Alan McGregor, 41st Bengal Lancers, deceased. At the sacrifice of his life, he destroyed enemy ammunition supplies, contributing thereby to the success of our arms in action before the siege of Mogala. His Majesty, the King Emperor, has been most graciously pleased to confer posthumously the Victoria Cross upon the late Captain Alan McGregor. In accordance with the custom of this regiment, I place this cross upon the saddle cloth of his horse. Move to the right in column of force. Form force. Right turn. And the left. Quick march. McGregor. McGregor. Yes, to take it. To take anything. Never let the army down. That's the only thing we want out here. It's a chance to do a job. And to do it well. Well, I guess you know that now, kid. on the last act of Lives of a Bengal Lancer, starring Errol Flynn, Brian Ahern, Jackie Cooper, and C. Aubrey Smith. And that was The Lives of a Bengal Lancer with Errol Flynn. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but you also heard a very young Jackie Cooper. He was uh, in The Little Rascals as a kid and a ton of movies, and then a staple on TV during the 70s as a guest star for practically every single cop show there was. Columbo, Kojak, Barnaby Jones, Ironside, Hawaii Five-O, McLeod, Rockford Files, uh, Police Story, the FBI, and then he went on to uh, those Superman movies in the 80s. Anyway, I digress. The movie and the radio drama, in my opinion, do a pretty good job capturing the adventure of the Northwest India Territory. And I, 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 I got to tell you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry but I am an Errol Flynn fanboy. This dude exudes adventure. I think he could do anything, and you know that there's adventure tied to that. It's like Errol Flynn and Ernest Hemingway. Those two guys, adventure. That's the way it goes. So this was our audio archaeological find for this episode of Shot and Shield. Pretty sweet, I thought. Not bad. And unfortunately, with that said, it's time to wrap the show up. This is Shot and Shield. Oh, damn. It's time for the January giveaway. And the prize is a collection of eight unpainted mounted Schutztruppen on horses. Germans in pith helmets on horses for World War I Africa from Tiger Miniatures. These are from my collection. Tiger is not associated with this giveaway. Now, how do you win? Easy. Just send an email to shotandshield at gmail.com with your name and mailing address. That's it. Winner will be randomly drawn from those who've emailed. And the winner will be notified and announced on the next Shot and Shield Supercast. Now, you definitely want to get in on that giveaway. Just remember just to email me at shotandshield at gmail.com with your name and your mailing address. And I'll be announcing that uh, winner on the next Shot and Shield and also via email, you know. But that's it. We are done. Listening in Sunval, Sweden. 
Riga, Latvia, and Summerside, Canada to the Shot and Shield Supercast, which is dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. I have been your parliamentarian of the podcast, the Grand Duke Sir Scott of the Duchy of Florida. I bid you great gaming, and I'm out. Doesn't take a military genius, Major, to crawl through a sewer. This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity. 